1: guys we are here for the hollywood life podcast and i am still working from home as is my co-anchor ali stagnita hi ali
2: hello sorry i just stuffed a granola bar in my mouth (laughs) bonnie 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 knows she we both have been busy today like i've been back to back i haven't had lunch yet and so i just had to quick shove something in my mouth
1: (laughs) okay we forgive you um and we, uh, now that you're not quite so hungry, so we are both very happy to welcome our special guest today, singer and now author, Sarah Evans. Welcome.
3: Thank you so much. Great to be here.
1: Well, we're great to have you. And it looks like you're, wor- you're also working from home.
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't know where else to go. There's nowhere else to go but home. <laughs> yeah.
2: Are you in Nashville? Yes. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, we all have to stay safe. And, um, and yet, we all have to keep, you know, all our balls in the air. There's so much going on. And Sarah, you have got this extraordinary week coming up. Uh, and I hope that you're getting a lot of sleep and that you're going to be like basically just in bed for all of Labor Day weekend because you are relaunching Um, your album which is a really exciting we want to talk about it it's called copy that and you're relaunching that September 7th and then you also have a brand new autobiographical a biographical book coming out September 8th born to fly so you are back to back congratulations
3: thank you thank you Um, yeah it's a very exciting it's been a very exciting year even though you know, we've had Corona and we've had the lockdown. We've still been super busy. Um, we made the covers album, copy that back in October and thank God we got it all done. Oh, we got the thank God. Before everything hit. Um, and we released it in, on May 15th. And it's probably the most fun I've ever had making a record because I grew up on stage. I grew up, you know, singing cover tunes and from, even the age of five years old, I was singing in bars with my brothers, like watching drunk people two-step. And (laughs) so I've always wanted to do a covers record. Um, And this is the most unexpected covers record, I think, um, you know, anyone's ever made, because these are songs like, I have My Sharona and Come On Eileen, and uh, If I Can't Have You. Um, So it's just a very unexpected, album for me
1: yeah it's and really un- with- unexpected like it's a really unexpected mix of songs because you've got country yes. classics from patsy klein and then you've got carol king it's too late and like you said my sharona by the knack
3: right yeah i know um i wanted the album to be all songs that i've never recorded or performed before um so that they all were really fresh and new to me as well but I also wanted them to be songs that almost everybody would know. There's just one song on there that's kind of obscure. It's the John Mayer song um, called All We Ever Do Is Say Goodbye. But other than that, these are songs that everybody knows. And we named the album Copy That because we really did copy the music. And, um, you know, on on some songs, like Whenever I Call You Friend with Stevie Nicks and um, Kenny Loggins, we were absolutely shocked at... How, how many harmony parts and musical parts they put on. And this was back when they didn't have all the technology that we had. Um, so we really wanted to pay honor to these songs, but just make them updated. Uh, we had so much fun.
1: It really looks like you had fun. And you also like look like you're having so much fun just doing like the photos for the album, like the album cover where you're yes. all, you've got a platinum blonde wig on. What kind of look were you going after there?
3: Well, I wanted to just, you know, be different characters. I knew that we wouldn't have a ton of time. So we decided to do two different wigs and then have one part of the photo shoot that was just normal me in my normal clothes, but the blonde wig was supposed to represent Betty Draper from Mad Men. Um, (laughs) She was my inspiration because, you know, some of the songs, like the Hank Williams, I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry, that we used Old Crow Medicine Show for the band on that song. That takes you right back to like the 1930s or something. It sounds that old and then, of course, Patsy Cline. Um, so, yeah, we we did some cool retro looks that were so fun. You know, what other time could I be a blonde with, you know, <laughs> you know bouffant hair? Well, you,
1: you look kind of great as blonde with bouffant hair.
3: <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, and I really wanted to push to have the cover be me in the blonde wig so that it would shock people even more.
2: Mm-hmm. Did your kids join you um, with the album? Because I know that you have, you know, your family band, too, and they tour with you.
3: Yeah, so my son, Avery, he just turned 21. He's a guitar player, and he played almost all the guitar parts on the whole record. My daughter, Olivia, did almost all the harmony parts with me. She and I spent hours in the studio doing all the harmony um, with my producer, Jared K, He put the male voice on and yeah, and my son um, still plays guitar for me on the road. And then recently I've, I've made my daughter go out and do harmony because we've, we've been able to do a few shows um, since February, which has been awesome.
1: How, how do you do shows? How do they get all set up? And-
3: we've been able to do some, some live in-person shows where everybody wore a mask. They were all, you know, six feet apart taking their temperature before they came in, and what we did was do um, two shows a day so that the crowds could, you know, divide instead of having such a big crowd, so we've done a few of those, but then we've also done a lot of things like this, where I would just have, you know, my band members behind me, and we would just do these Zoom, little Zoom concerts. I love that. Well,
2: that's easy because they live right there at home with you. You don't have to, (laughs) you know, hire a band.
3: (laughs) It's very easy. My daughters live here. My son lives on his own in Nashville. But, yeah, he's just right across town. Yeah, it's easy. And, you know, I I can tell them I'm going to pay them, but you never know when that's going to happen, right?
1: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a little more than allowance, I guess.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When
1: to get it. Let let me ask you, like in terms of your choice, like what made you choose these particular twenty songs, like to go from really kind of fun rock and roll songs, and like I'm a big fan of My Sharona. That's that's a a family classic for us. Like, whenever we have a a dance party, it's always the last song. Yeah, um, and so but to to you know have that kind of mix, Hank Williams and Stevie Nicks and Carol King.
3: It, you know, it was more. So what we we did, we started this big group text, and the group text was me and my kids, my husband, my brother Matt, who's my bass player, my manager, my producer. So we would all just like every time we would think of a cool song, we would send it to the group text. We had this big list of songs going. Uh, my Sharona came in last. I got in the car one day. And I had it on XM 70s on seven uh-huh. and my Sharona was playing and I just turned it up so loud. And I'm like, oh my God, this has to be on the record too. <laughs> and sitting with I Eileen. Mean, but I wanted songs that would surprise people, but that would also sound like my Sharona is basically a bluegrass song. Like the way that you have to sing it, you know, so hard and like punchy with the notes and, um, So, all the songs are very authentic to me as well, and my voice. Mm
1: -hmm. Your voice sounds fantastic on the album. Thank you. You've just got such an incredible voice and great range. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess having that kind of a mix, it really does showcase the breadth of your range.
3: And also the breadth of my love of music. You know, like, I don't, I wanted people to understand that I'm not just a country singer. And I'm a lot more than what they hear from the songs that we've released to radio. Mm-hmm. And you get that with my concerts. I always do cover tunes in my encores, but so this is a whole album of that where I, I wanted people to say, Oh my God, she can sing anything. That was my goal.
2: Definitely. And I do think if you listen, cause I've, I mean, I've been a fan of yours for years, probably since I
1: was, Born. Um, <laughs> got,
2: uh, born alive. Out of the womb. And suds in the bucket and, and all of those. But also, when you dive deep into your albums um, and, and your full records, it's, it's very clear that you have so many different influences. How would you say mm-hmm. your influences have changed over the years, you know, from those early days to, um, you know, today?
3: Yeah, I definitely, um, I love great singers and I love great music. And so to me, it doesn't matter what the genre is, um, who the person is. And I'm I'm always a sucker for that combination of the great voice, the great lyric, and the great music behind it. And that's what I aspire to do all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's never okay with me if I record a song that has an awesome track that we laid down but i don't love the lyrics or i don't love the melody and so it it has to include everything so over the years i've just you know loved people that are like that like Bruno mars and maroon 5 and um you know and i'm very particular it's like even like ariana grande is a good example i always tell my girls she has such an amazing voice but her songs sometimes suck, you know, lyrically. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't understand why someone with such a great voice wouldn't be the whole package. I and, this about her. and go for it, you know, because you have to be really, really, um, you have to have a very high standard lyrically, in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you heard from many of the musicians whose songs you have, um, sung on this album? Have you had feedback? Like, as Carol King called you up and went, Wow, I just loved hearing that. Oh, I have, a
3: really good, I have a really good songwriter friend named Shane Stevens who's very good friends with Carol's daughter. And he got a message to me that she had played the song for Carol and Carol loved it. Um, but I really I, I think that's the only person, you know, John Mayer has been ignoring me for years. Oh. <laughs> I've always talked about. I know, I'm such a fan of his music, and I always talk about him, and um, he's ignoring me, so I don't know why that is, but I did put a John Mayer song on the covers record.
2: Yep. Oh, that's so funny. Well, well so in addition to this, you know, relaunch of the album that originally came out in May, you have your book mm-hmm. So coming, so tell us why was right now a great time, oh, love it, Right now, a great time for you to- oh,
1: there it write. is.
3: <laughs> um, you know, I started the, this book about four years ago, and <clears throat> it's been a long process. I started out using uh, two different co-writers, both of which I, I, you know, just didn't really vibe with. Um, they were both great, great women and great writers, but I, um, they had a hard time getting into my voice and talking the way that I talk and using the sense of humor that I use. So I just decided to go back and and start writing it, rewriting the whole thing myself. And that was really the key to unlocking what made this memoir so great, is that it's my voice, it's me telling stories. And um, you know, basically as far as timing, time-wise, it was mostly just the publisher saying, uh, either turn it in or we're dropping it, <laughs> because it took me so long. So uh, yeah, but I, I'm so happy with it because it's it's exactly what I wanted it to be, even though I didn't know what that was in the beginning. Um, I talk about, you know, growing up on the farm in Missouri and how I became a singer, how I got my record deal. I talk about my parents' divorce, um, You know, three near-death experiences, and then raising my three children on the road. And literally, I would have a baby, and four weeks later, I'd be out on tour again. And then my second marriage, and having stepchildren, and moving to Alabama. Um, It's it's very interesting. And then the second half of the book kind of turns into, like, unsolicited advice for me. And (laughs) funny advice about parenting, and things that annoy me that other parents do <laughs> so it's it's funny it's sad it's it's everything
1: and when you say you literally started writing it yourself like were you typing it were you dictating it? it you were typing it yourself you yes. know how to type i i'm really slow at typing
3: i'm an amazing typist how, i learned that in eighth grade didn't you no i was i had. that's
2: what i said That's what I say to her. Um, So with, with all of, I mean, there's so much to fit into this book. How did you decide and pick and choose the stories that you wanted to tell?
3: A lot of it had to do with my kids. Like I said, when I started the book, it was four years ago. So they were, you know, 17 and can't do math, 14 and 12 or something like that. And so I knew that some stories they would not want me to tell you know i'll probably write another autobiography that kind of tells everything this one is more it's a little bit more lighthearted than than the full-blown one will be when i write that in 20 years or whatever that would be um you spill it all <laughs> i wanted to get to part of who i am as a person so i pulled from the stories that stood out to me the most in my life like getting hit by a car of course was just you know a catalyst to me becoming the resilient person that i am and ha- having the belief that god is always with me and protecting me and providing for me
1: that was when you were about eight years old right mm-hmm. and and what happened you just were playing in the front of your house
3: we have to read the book Ah. Oh. <laughs> No, I I grew up as a tomboy. I mean, I have two older brothers and four younger sisters. And so me being the oldest girl, but being the baby sister for, you know, four years before my other sister came, uh, I wanted to do everything my brothers did. And so I had a motorcycle and my brothers had motorcycles. Mine was a Yamaha 80 and I was just riding it around that day. Like I would do normally, in the summer and it was June 29th, 1979. And I was riding my bike up and down our long driveway and I decided that I wanted to, I had been playing house. Um, so I had been having like all my dolls set up and I was listening to Lou Harris records and I, I would pretend that my mom's bedroom was my house because there was a big, huge side porch off. We, we lived in this beautiful old
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
3: So one day I just decided that I was going to go get the mail. And I got on my motorcycle, rode down to the end of our driveway without anybody knowing because I would have gotten in so much trouble. Um, and I got off my motorcycle and decided to try to cross the highway. Oh, and our driveway God. was at the end two hills so i heard a car coming but i just thought in my eight-year-old brain i thought i can make it and then i just you know she came flying over the hill going 75 miles an hour and landed me in the hospital for six weeks with oh two God. broken legs and two bro- broken arms and a thank severe you. concussion
1: thank the lord that you survived that that's terrifying
3: it's a miracle, really
2: wow and then you had two other near-death experiences
3: oh mm-hmm. my gosh yeah one I'll save for the readers to yeah. read, but uh, that that one is a very 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 scary story
1: you mean more than, than what just happened about <laughs> um and have you were there things in the book that surprised your kids that they didn't know about until they read your book
3: I think the details of me getting hit by a car surprised them um and just a, a lot about you know what it was like to move out to the farm which is my mother's dream and you know all the snakes that were there it was like a house in in a huge yard surrounded by 400 acres and it was infested with black snakes and just some of those details that I you know maybe haven't talked to to the kids in depth about, um, but really only my daughter, Olivia, has read the book from cover to cover and she she was amazed, she loved it.
2: Yeah, what was it like your first time just like holding
3: your book in your Uh Super tight, well, today is actually the first day that I've held this, this hard cover.
1: Oh.
3: The real, 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 real book so it's very exciting and i was just looking through some of the pictures and i I can't wait i cannot wait to hear the reaction from people because like i said there's a lot of drama in this book
2: what's some of your unsolicited advice that you give
3: you know i talk about um teaching your kids to be cool and not letting your kids run you know the the situation in other words so like it sh- it astonishes me these days how so many parents raise their kids in a way that they're they're subconsciously telling their kids that they're equal with adults yes and that you know like i would have never dreamed of interrupting my mom when she was talking and So when my kids would walk into the room, I would just immediately put my hand up like that, like wait, you know, and I'm talking, I mean, when they were toddlers, like I would never humiliate them with doing that right now at their age. But I just always try to teach them to be respectful of adults and to have great manners. Um, You know, they were raised in Alabama, so they all say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You know it's really really impolite um, in our minds for a kid to say what you know like if you say their name and they're like what or yeah they're always supposed to say ma'am instead of what so just teaching them of those you know old-fashioned um ways of thinking and then also just funny things like you know make your kids use a napkin when they eat <laughs> and Teaching them, like, just proper ways to live and communicate and how to be a good conversationalist. Um, It's a lot of interesting tips like that that I don't think you'll find in other, like, parenting parenting advice books.
1: Mm -hmm. How did you manage when you would have just had a baby four weeks ago? How did you manage to be on the road with babies?
3: I don't know. I look back at it now and I just think it had to do with the fact that I knew I had to, because when you're in this industry, you almost feel guilty for having a child because everybody's counting on you. And, you know, there's a story in the book where I had a manager that was a complete asshole when I told him I was pregnant. So I fired him. Um, Good. But, you know, as a woman, you have the burden of having to carry the children have the children recover from the children bounce back from pregnancy and be back and be you know be expected to have had nothing change about you your body nothing and i don't blame anybody for that it's just the way it is i mean that's the way god made it however um so i think that was my competitive nature like not wanting to give an inch to anybody else who would want to come in and take my spot on the charts Mm -hmm. would you be able to get like help like were you did you find
1: nannies to bring on the road
3: oh yeah I had a nanny (laughs) yeah I had it was always a nanny and me and then it was great because my brother is my bass player so he's their uncle and then my brother's wife for 20 years was my hair makeup wardrobe so they helped me raise the kids on the road
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you have chapters in the book, or at least one, that says, like, family is everything. And, it's, and it definitely seems that for a very long time, like, what you're telling us about your brother, his wife, now your kids, you've been, you've made, you, you've had your family as part of your career and your life. Like, it's not like career and family is separated the way, you know, a lot of working women, they're torn between career and family.
3: Right. I've been very, very blessed to have a career where I can call the shots and I could take my children with me everywhere I went. Um, That was one thing I was, you know, the, the only time I really couldn't take the kids with me was when I had to go do radio stuff, like what we call a radio tour. So when we release a new album or a new single, you go on a radio tour and go all over the country and visit as many radio stations as you possibly can in a three day period or whatever. But other than that, um, you know, I just took them with me everywhere. So they, they are resilient too. I didn't, um, I didn't cater to this notion that, you know, it's, it's nap time. So, you know, and that's the other thing that just drives me insane about um, young parents these days, they won't, they're so red, uh, rigid about like, it's their nap time. So we no we can't come to your birthday party because the baby has to be in bed at seven. And my philosophy has always been, screw that. (laughs) The child will adapt to whatever I freaking tell them to adapt to So if I would fly from Nashville to LA, and my pediatrician told me this too at the time, he was like, put them on whatever time you fly to. So if you fly to LA, put them on LA time. And they're not, I mean, it's no big deal to change their nap time or their bedtime or their wake up time. If I had adhered to that belief, and I would have never, I would have either never taken them with me or I wouldn't have done my career. Or you would have gone out of your mind trying to do that. It's ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. You just, my belief, and, you know, that my kids and I have always sort of been like gypsies where it's just been me and them, and we just, you know, went everywhere. We went everywhere and did everything, and they have flown and bust and... They've got passports and, you know, I just am so grateful to God that I raised them that way because they're very worldly.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: When they decided that they wanted to also get into the entertainment industry, what was your kind of reaction to that and were you surprised at all?
3: Not surprised at all. Um, I knew that they all three had the music talent. They got it not only from me, but their dad's side of the family, they're all musical as well. So I knew they would have those genes. Um, it would be weird for me if they didn't, you know what I mean? Avery started playing guitar when he was about 14. And, um, you know, he's just naturally, they're all naturally gifted. And Olivia is an amazing singer. So, you know, I'm, I try to help them as much as I can and guide them and lead them. I want to help them a lot more, but they're, they're very stubborn about, you know, they don't, they don't wanna ride my coattails. And so that's, that's always a, a balance that we have to strike with me wanting to do too much for them. Cause I can pick up the phone and make a call and right. make some, I could make something happen for them if I wanted to. They want it to be legit. And I respect that.
1: That really, yes, that, that's amazing. Well, it just shows how well you've raised them that they wanna succeed on their own merits. Thank you. How do you feel about how country music has evolved so much, like has broadened? Because when you started, it was, it was traditional country music. And I think copy that just shows how extended the range has become for country.
3: Well, current you know mainstream country radio no longer plays new music from me or most women. And so that That's is... So you know, so that's a negative, and I've, I've been kind of praying and waiting for that to go back to the way it was when I had hit records. Um, you know, the saddest thing that anybody can say to me is, I'm, you know, I'm glad to see that you're back with a new album, or Sarah Evans has made a return to country music with a new record where I've, I've never left. Um, it's just that they don't play women, you know, but I'm still making music and touring all the time. So that's very frustrating because my competitiveness, you know, I want to still be on mainstream country radio. I I believe now though, that it's become so polarized and that country music today, should just be called bro country and there should be another genre that's called Nashville music because there's so much great music coming out of Nashville and so many great writers, but you're just not going to hear them on mainstream country. So we have to have a place to go. Where I can make a record like copy that and, you know, have, um, and I, I mean, XM plays my songs and there are other streaming sources, but just to have main mainstream radio stations. And I think it should be called national music.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. And we have heard this from other female country singers and some of them have also been very vocal about it. Why is that? Why do they just, why do they block female? Singers
3: and musicians. Female fans love the bro country guys. That's the only thing I can think is that they they love these guys. They think they're sexy. They love, you know, it's become more about the beat than the lyrics for country music has always typically been lyrics and just, you know, cool music. Not every song has to be serious, but they've always been good. Like you look at, I released, a song called Suds in the Bucket, which was, you know, a silly song, but it was still brilliantly written about the woes of, you know, parents losing their daughter to a boy that she ran off with. Um, and then you have songs like A Little Bit Stronger or A Real Fine Place to Start that are all just, you know, high quality lyric songs. Those don't get played anymore. And so I think it's just because the, country, the bro country guys are cute and the female country fans just go gaga over them.
2: I also think too, and and, I have a few friends in the industry, like Lindsay L and I speak about this often, that we think too that because this has been going on for so long, these country radio fans don't actually get to listen
3: too. They don't know
2: that there's anything they don't else. No, anything. They don't know. They really think that that's a big part of it, too. And so then these, you know, like, white old men who are running country radio see, oh, like, well, the Jason Aldean's song's doing well. We'll keep him on for another week. You know, um, Luke Bryan's doing well. We'll keep him on for another week. Well, of course they're doing well because it's all you play. Yeah. You know? And so they never differentiate it.
3: Yeah, I don't know that it has you know, as much to do with that they're white old men, as much as it has to do that they're making money, Um, you know, they're, they're succeeding and doing well. And we've had almost a decade of country music being this bro country. uh, thing. So you're right, they don't know. And a lot of people just say, well, there aren't as many women or there aren't. And that's just not true. Nashville is packed full of great female Country artists. I, I blame the female fans as much as anything. I mean, I watch them, you know, when I see them watch these bro country artists, they go crazy over them. And I'm like, what? You don't even know this, this person has not even had a hit record. And you're sitting there screaming for him because he's cute. And so that's a huge part of it. The genre is succeeding. Mm-hmm. still by playing bro country and I just think you know somebody needs to buy like 150 radio stations around the country and call it national music and just play good music.
1: Mm-hmm. Like what about that. XM satellite radio? I'm sorry? Oh like satellite they need a they need a channel on satellite radio. On well, national music. Yeah, yeah I totally agree I think it's a great idea and it's time to liberate the women, women who are playing country and-, and-
3: yeah. Like what would we do without Patsy Cline or Loretta Lynn or those, you know, Tammy Wynette, those iconic women in country that have, you know, Reba. I mean, right now and for almost a decade, we've missed so many women that would have been amazing influences in this genre. and. And I still see myself as one of those, you know, songs that like from my last album Words that I wish, you know, could have been mainstream country hits, um, just never gonna be. But I don't know, I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what to do about Bro Country or Corona. Those two things, baffle me. Things.
2: They need to be fixed, <laughs> but luckily, <sighs> There hopefully will be a vaccine for Corona. I don't know if there's a vaccine for this. We just got to
1: For broke country.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's yeah. a vaccine for broke country.
3: <laughs> guess, yeah, the, the fans need to be exposed to yeah. new music by women. That's it.
2: Well, and that's why we are happy that we get to give you and your voice a platform here at Hollywood Life. So... Thank you. Me like and like Bonnie, our
1: fans can become your fans too.
3: Thank you so, Thank you so much. much. Thank you,
1: and we're really happy you took the time to talk to us, and we just wish you so much, uh, uh, like, goodness on your new book, Born to Fly, which is going to be released September 8th, and then the relaunch of Copy That, which will be September 7th. It's actually September
3: 4th. I said the wrong date. My manager was, like, over here correcting me. (laughs) Sorry. It was September 4th, but close enough. Close enough. Awesome. thank you guys so much it was so
2: fun it was
1: so fun before we hang up can everybody look to camera real quick I want to get a quick screenshot okay okay all right one two three got it thank awesome. you thank you thanks for joining all right, us in Hollywood Live. life have a great day thank, thank you you too bye, bye.